Hey, hey, friends. To be fair, life can feel like a mess with too little time. But on this podcast, we think through the challenges and make thoughtful everyday decisions. My name is Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 17, and today we're thinking about how we act in our everyday lives. I know that might sound odd. I couldn't quite come up with a different way of saying it, but it will take shape quickly. I do hope. Let me start with this, though. I truly am so thankful that you're taking time to listen. It's a big deal to me that you would choose to be fair, especially since I don't post often. I'm a minister and I get to serve a church, so now I tend to think towards the next Sunday's message. I only record when something has been working on me deeply and it feels like I just have to get it out. I hope that what is on my mind today is helpful to you. I am all about the tangible things that will help us become more of who we are. For me, I think of this as becoming more of who God calls me to be. This is why I'm so taken with a show on Apple TV. I haven't watched TV for years, but I have heard about this show from Dr. Brene Brown, who is a social work professor at the University of Houston. She's a researcher who has helped me so much with her work on shame and wholehearted living. Because I am a super fan of Dr. Brown and she suggested this show, I bought the app and I am so grateful I did. I feel like this TV show has pulled me in like a big bear hug and has swung me around like a helicopter. A character named Ted Lasso might say something like that on my now favorite show called Ted Lasso. I'll share a brief sketch of the show, but we'll mostly talk about why it is moving to me. It is changing me for the better. I won't give away too much of the storyline in case you haven't watched it and decide to do so, but here's enough to get the idea. Ted Lasso is a character who actually first appeared in 2013 on a couple NBC sports commercials. He was an American college football coach who was hired to coach professional soccer in London. He does not know the game and is hilarious as he stumbles through coaching soccer. NBC aired the commercials to promote their broadcast of Premier League soccer, and they were really well received. Seven years later, the commercials spun off to this full show. It was developed by experienced, successful guys, Bill Lawrence, Jason Sudeikis, Joe Kelly, and Brendan Hunt. Jason Sudeikis also plays head coach Ted Lasso, and Brendan Hunt plays his brilliant, strategic, also very funny assistant, Coach Beard. It's the character of Ted Lasso who has my heart. He is an energetic, positive, Midwestern kind of a guy. In fact, the storyline has him taking a failing football team at, get this fellow Kansans, Wichita State, to be national champions. Now, Wichita State hasn't had a football team since 1986, so I suppose that's one reason they were chosen. But another is that Overland Park is Jason Sudeikis' hometown. How fun is that? In one episode, Ted Lasso was sent Arthur Bryant's barbecue sauce. This has been our family favorite barbecue joint in Kansas City for years. So stinking fun to see something about Kansas that is good on a TV show. I love it. Love it. At first glance, one might think that Ted Lasso is a clueless sort of bumbling guy, but he really isn't. 
he chooses unabashed optimism with unbridled enthusiasm. He believes in people and wants to help them to be the best versions of themselves they can be. He is sincere, completely sincere, and he's likable even for those who want to hate him. Ted Lasso sees people for who they are, but he remains largely who he is in spite of how they behave or how they treat him. This is the first piece that I'd like to dwell on for a bit. Think about this scene with me. You and Ted Lasso are old friends, you lucky duck. But you haven't visited for a while, so you make plans to go on a walk together. You meet up and head towards the trail, but then soon realize that the best idea might be to take a waffle cone with you. You head towards the cute shop on the corner and are chatting along, enjoying the sunny day. Everything feels good. You walk into the shop and, yeah, geez, the owner is working the counter. This gal, she somehow owns a shop of cold, creamy joy, and yet is the most negative person. You saunter up and greet her. After a heartbeat of pleasantries and a comment about the gorgeous sunshine, she notes that if it wouldn't be for the wind, it would be nice. Her dog hates the wind. If there is even the slightest of breezes, the dog won't go out himself, and she has to take him out. It just pisses her off when she has to go out before she's had the time to wake up, and it never fails. Her whole day turns to crap. You say, oh heck, surely the day could turn around? And she is having none of it. She lists off all the things that have gone wrong on this day to be an exemplar. She somehow does it with a joke and kind of a salty smile, but shoo, it's just so hard to be around her. After you two get your scoops of cappuccino chunky chocolate and you pay, you head outside. After a safe distance from the shop, what do you think might be said? Think about that for yourself. What would you say? I bet I would say, dang, that gal is always so negative. She just seems to suck the life right out of me. It would take me a few breaths and some intentional self-talk to reset myself. I might even have to come back to the scene later in the day with another friend and rehash it all again. This isn't a scene in Ted Lasso. I'm just imagining it. And I can totally hear myself saying some of those words. Here in Lindsborg, Kansas, where I get to live, we have a small college. One of our previous presidents of our college said that there are givers and takers in the workplace those who give him something positive and those who seem to take away his energy. I try to not be an either-or type of person, but I understand the notion, and I'm betting you can too. Here's the fascinating thing. Ted Lasso doesn't seem to let the way people act around him change him. He certainly notices when people call him bad names or even chant a bad name at him loudly and repeatedly, but he doesn't let it really affect him. His character seems entirely present and in relationships seems to respond to things very deeply. And yet he continues on as he is. He seems to be comfortable with himself and doesn't let his ego get in his way of being the kind of person he wants to be. Wholeheartedly present and positive. In the opening sequence of the show, Coach Lasso takes a seat in the chairbacks of the stadium. There is graffiti on some of the seats, and they're just generally worn. As he sits there, he glances around and notices that the chairs are becoming clean around him. Like the graffiti and grubby are magically being wiped to new. That's how it is to be around Ted Lasso. 
He affects his environment. He makes his environment better. He doesn't let his environment change him. Coming out of the ice cream shop, I bet a Ted Lasso would say something about how we never really know what someone else has going on in her life, and he truly wouldn't be phased by her. He doesn't spend any emotional energy rehashing the experience or any time bantering about her personal life. What a wonderful way that would be. Apparently, Amsterdam has something figured out that we can learn from, and it doesn't have anything to do with prostitution or drugs, <laughs> at least directly anyway. Three of the writers of Ted Lasso all spent time in Amsterdam with an improv company. Dr. Brown interviewed Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt on her podcast, Unlocking Us, which I highly recommend, of course. And they talked about a way in Amsterdam called Gezellig. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep trying to say it. It's going to be wrong every time, probably. <laughs> we don't have a word in which it translates directly in English, but as I understand it, it means something like cozy, like a warm, inviting living room on a cold night. It can also refer to a relationship that is safe and nurturing, that generally feels good. Those things are all gezellig. It sounds like the whole culture naturally vibes to being this way. For instance, if worrying about something can't change the outcome, then in Amsterdam they would wonder why they should worry. Worrying won't help. It wouldn't be very gezellig. They just wouldn't worry. Why would a person be a jerk to someone? It wouldn't be very chazelic. They just don't really do it. Now I'm sure there's exceptions, but that's like the way of the culture. Brendan Hunt shared about this general tone of the place and how refreshing it was for him. He shared some things about himself and said that he spent over five years in Amsterdam because the feeling of chazelic, it's getting worse as I keep going. <laughs> this feeling was really helpful and nice. When I listened to him talk about it, it sounded like a lightness or a feeling of buoyancy we can have when we aren't tethered to the heavy that we might unknowingly hang on to. There are a few scenes in the show where Coach Lasso suggests having a memory of a goldfish. Apparently that's around 10 seconds long. He didn't mean it literally with like major experiences. In the show, there is this major event that was quite sad for the team. He wisely tells his team to feel how they feel now, and later on, they will then move forward together as a team. They won't let the past hinder them. They will move forward into the hope that helps them believe in what's possible. This seems very chazelech. In little moments and big moments, I think this is so helpful. In the ice cream shop, we could recognize, oh, wow, she must be hurting. I'm going to be the best of who I can be with her and then move on. People don't get to suck the life out of us. We let them suck the life out of us. If people affect us, it's because we let them when we could just recognize the interaction for what it was, take a breath and continue on in our own way. That seems most chazelich. Bigger things can really give us a wallop. The death of someone that we love, a long-term relationship that comes to a stunning end those kinds of hurts should definitely be felt, and it would take a lot longer than 10 seconds to live through something like that. But even the biggest of wallops doesn't get to suck the life out of us. We can feel those feelings, we should. And then after time, maybe with some help, we live on with and into hope. That seems 
most chedar. One last piece about the Ted Lasso way that has been working on me is this. He talks about the importance of being curious. When we are at home or at work and something comes up that's frustrating or that we disagree about, what are our natural responses? Do we get curious about why we're frustrated or do we get defensive and judgmental? Maybe pause me and think back to some situation in your life when you disagreed with someone about something. How did you react? I had to think about this for all of one millisecond. I am solidly judgmental. In the last few years, my approach has been to meditate so that I have a bigger pause between the something being said and the me firing off a sharp retort. I have got a quick tongue to be sure. Meditation has helped me, but I think this lifestyle of being curious might tip the scales. Think of this situation that has happened repeatedly in our home. We have a great dishwasher. I love it. It cleans the dishes really well and it's quiet. So quiet though, that sometimes if we aren't paying attention, we'll open the thing when it's running. The other day, one of my sons did this and I regret that I uttered and I was disgruntled as I walked over and figured out how to start it again. It was not hard to restart. In fact, it took all of a few seconds. My other son has opened the dishwasher once when it was running and I've done it more than once. When I've done it myself, I've instantly thought things like, I am such a freaking idiot. I can't believe I did that again. What the heck is wrong with me? I jump to judgment with myself just as much or more than I do with others whom I love. I wish for my reactions to be different all the way around. Here's the thing. What if I just got curious about things like this instead of getting instantly upset? The boys and I talked about what we might do differently with the dishwasher over lunch one day. I suggested putting a sticker on it that said, stop, make sure this thing is done running each time it is started. That idea did not resonate with one of my sons. <laughs> I let it drop, but the next time I started running the dishwasher, I put a red towel from the counter over the dishwasher's handle. Voila, baby. None of us opened the dishwasher while it was running that day. All I needed to do was to be a bit curious about why we're, we were repeatedly having this problem and it wasn't a big deal. That red towel is now at the ready. I hate making my sons or anyone feel stupid, which is one effect of me jumping to judgment. It isn't helpful for me to tell myself awful things either. I'm trying to train myself to get curious instead. I invite you to consider it as well. When I start to have the knee-jerk reaction of judgment, I try to think of one question I can ask. Just one. Sometimes I practically have to spit out the question, but I usually get one out. I've not been doing it long enough to know for sure, but I have a tingling sensation. It's going to be a game changer. For Christians, the what would Jesus do question was launched in the 1990s. It was an attempt to help youth think more about the choices they make. I get that. and totally appreciate it. To be a Christian, to be a follower of the Christ, it would be good to think of what Jesus would do. He would take care of the poor and the oppressed. He would get upset at injustice. He would care for all people. I'm all about Jesus. I don't, I, I really am. <laughs> I spend my life like dwelling on what Jesus would do. He's how I know God more fully, for goodness sakes. But that hasn't really helped me in my everyday types of dishwasher moments. You know what I mean? It has been helpful for me to think of what Ted Lasso would do though. <laughs> Honestly, I, I know, I know he's a fictional guy, but that doesn't matter. 
I'm also surrounded by real people who are amazing. And I bet you are too. Here's another tangible thing that's been helpful for me that you can take or leave. Start a list of the people who show you the way of God. If you don't like those words, the people who live the way you think is the most noble or choose whatever words make the most sense to you. For me, it is who shows me what it is to live in ways that are of God. Make a list of those people and note what makes them be on that list. My boys said their Auntie Joyce would be on their list. I asked why. After a few follow-ups, I understood it is because they feel her love for them. She makes them feel special. She still makes them feel that way, even though we haven't gotten to see her for over a year. I made my list, and I invite you to make yours. Look for any common threads through your list. One big common thread on mine is just what the boys were able to say about their auntie. It is how people make me feel. I appreciate so much the people who make me feel like I'm okay. I'm enough. I can feel their love for me. That, to me, is of God. That's how I want to be. But when I get frustrated because of something little, like the dishwasher or the time that we couldn't seem to get the Christmas lights on the tree, I react in a judgy, bitey way. In those times, I have made my son feel stupid. And that is just the worst ever. For me, and I bet for him too. I hate those moments. It is the absolute opposite of how I want to make him feel. This is why curiosity instead of judgment is so extremely important to me and why I'm going to focus on that. I invite you to choose one of the qualities of the people on your list and think of how you can live it into your own life more. Think of a little piece of whatever that quality is and just start there. Like the, like in my case, spitting out one question. During Dr. Brown's interview with the Ted Lasso guys, she told them that a woman had shared with her that Dr. Brown's work had saved her marriage. Ted Lasso had changed her life. I get that. I really do. I listen to great podcasts and I read quite a bit and I have probably heard all of these suggestions, all of the things that I've gathered from the first season of Ted Lasso from many researchers whom I respect. Be curious, be open to different perspectives, ask questions. I mean, I've been told this stuff for decades, right? For some reason, when Ted Lasso talks about the importance of being curious and asking questions while holding a few darts in the middle of an English pub, it has finally sunk into my brain. The story pulled me in and helped me feel the truth of it. Last Sunday, one of the scriptures was from Corinthians. Paul was going on and on about how Jesus was coming back right then. The section of scripture finished with, For the present form of this world is passing away. For the present form of this world is passing away. He was talking about how it would be when Jesus would return within their lifetimes, but we can think about this notion in our own lives, in our own context. The present form of this world can pass away if we choose to live anew. We can change to become more of who we are, more of who God calls us to be. If we have the tendency to be like the ice cream shop owner, the world could be such a new place if we would get help and develop a different mindset. If we have a tendency to be affected by those around us a lot, think of how it might seem if we could feel in the present and then let it go and live on. What a new world that would be. If we dislike our judgment, 
What a change curiosity could bring. I sure hope so. I'm ready for that new world. For real. I tell you, my friends, Team Lasso, that's where it's at. (laughs) I'm in. I invite you to be on the team, too. If you haven't watched it, or if you have, if you choose to watch it, let me know what you think. Every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I've been sharing um, short things like this on Facebook Lives at 8 o'clock for the store I own, 8 p.m. in the evening. And I'm in Central Standard Time. My store is called Connected. It's a fair trade store located in Lindsborg, Kansas, and we are online at connectedfairtrade.com. The lives are through the Facebook page, though, and that is Connected FT. I just spend five or six minutes each of those evenings talking about something that I found compelling that leads to something like um, a wholehearted joy. I haven't actually figured out what I should be calling these things, but I've been doing them for months now, and they seem to resonate with some folks. So you are most welcome to come by if you'd like. As I said in the beginning, I also get to serve a church. It's Elam Lutheran Church in Marquette, Kansas. I sure love them. I preach for them, for that congregation specifically. But if you would care to come by, you are most welcome. We stream worship on Facebook, and the video is later posted on our website at elammarquette.org. Just know that like, I, I am thinking of Elam as I preach. Um, so it's a little different than, than like this sort of a forum. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much again for listening. I hope it was helpful to you in some way. If you have a friend who might also think that there's something beneficial here, please share this episode. I'd sure appreciate it. I do hope you'll listen in with me again. I'm Amy Kay, and this has been To Be Fair. <laughs>